Hello and welcome to another episode of The Grey NATO, a loose discussion of travel, adventure, diving, driving gear, and most certainly watches. This is episode 201, and it's proudly brought to you by the ever-growing TGN Supporter Crew. We thank you all so much for your continued support, and if you're interested in supporting the show, please visit thegreynato.com for more details. Jason, you're back uh, back home after a long drive. I spent uh, much of my day yesterday at the uh, the airport in Chicago, but uh, made it home in time. How are we feeling? I'm recovering. <laughs> my voice is uh, coming back. I still have a bit of a kind of a scratchy throat just from uh, just talking so much. Uh, it was such a yeah. such a great time. We, we we got to see each other finally after a few years and mm-hmm. and uh, parted ways about uh, by my guess here about 20, 28, 28 hours ago. So that was uh, that was good fun. And here we are, back in our chairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, back at the desk. It was a huge weekend in Chicago for the uh, wind-up fair, and uh, and we kind of have a, a lot of thank yous to start with, I think. Wow. It was a huge thank you to the turnout, everyone who showed up and shared their watches and came to say hi and check out the merch and uh, and, and just kind of hang out and walk around. And, and, of course, all the same for the vendors. And then I think e- even a bigger thank you, or, or maybe a different sort of thank you, but just for the opportunity from the uh, Warren & Wound team and the wind-up team uh, to to be able to go and have a table and uh, and get a chance to connect with all of you it was um it was way more than I expected. No, oh, it was uh, it was just huge and and it was it was almost overwhelming, but in a very very good way. Um, not only the the number of people that stopped by to say hello, but also the sentiments that were expressed and and the generosity um, from yeah. people. The the bottle of <laughs> the bottle of Malort that somebody left. Yeah, Clark. Clark. Yeah, huge appreciation. I think from us um that was a, a very chicago gift and uh and we yeah. we appreciated the gesture it was so much fun and uh everybody else that stopped by with uh with uh, good wishes and and cool watches stickers and, and stickers and i got and... a nice bag from justin and yeah yeah wild stuff it was incredible and and everybody got to meet our wives too i mean it was like yeah Kishani yeah, sure. and sarah were there and uh and I don't know what we would have done without them. I mean, I honestly don't know what we would have done. That's the remaining big thank you is is, is just, you know, a huge thank you to Kashani and to my wife, Sarah, for uh, coming out and hanging out. You know, I think, at least in my mind, Jason, I, I definitely overestimated how much we could record. Yeah. Um, I didn't really expect there to be people at the table kind of all day long, yeah. all all three days. Uh, but there were, and, and when, when there were times where we were off recording, and I'll explain how this episode works in just a moment, but when we were off recording a variety of these sort of chats and and, and that sort of thing, um, Sarah and Gashani were holding down the fort, and uh, it just we, we simply wouldn't have been able to do it without them. It would have been a complete um, a complete cancellation of of events and yeah. ability to do it and, and the rest of it. So it was a huge thank you. Yeah, and and by uh, by Gashani's account, uh, she enjoyed herself immensely, and and people enjoyed meeting her and Sarah and 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 Gashani had all sorts of stories on our drive back yesterday. Um, you know about various people that stopped over and and then of course we took a ton of photos against that brick wall and it was it was fun to see all of those go up on Instagram over the past couple of days so i mean what else to say it was incredible it was so good yeah no it was it was amazing and and just a, a quick explanation of how this episode works so we one of the banner kind of things you could do at the show aside from obviously check out all these amazing brands was you could sit down and and watch a live podcast taping with um Jason and I and uh, Blake and Zach from the Worn and Wound podcast. And so the, the end result was a, a little over 90 minutes. Um, and, and I said, well, why don't we just split it in half? Their, their show goes live Wednesday, so it's live yesterday. They have the first half. And then this episode, when we get through the, the sort of intro and the wrist check and stuff, we'll drop in the second half. I actually thought we weren't, you know, because there's, you know, rules of how many people you can have in a room. And I thought maybe 
the doors had closed and no one realized they could come in. And then in the end, I, I heard like, no, that's a, that, that was physically as many people as they were allowed to put in the room. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, there's a good, a good deal. Folks were standing yeah. and that sort of thing. So it, I think it was a really, really fun chat with those two guys. They do such a great job, of course, on their feed. So my recommendation would be in a few minutes when we get to the, the main recording uh, from that chat, uh, pause this, go check out their feed. And if you're not subscribed, obviously give them a subscription. Uh, they're going to do a little intro and then drop in our uh, the first 45 minutes, 46, 47 minutes of that chat. And then you can come back to this one and get the second half. But the idea was do a little bit of cross-promotion. And uh, and instead of just everybody getting the same file, I thought this was fun. Make it a little bit of a game if you want to hear the whole chat, which I, I think a lot of you will. The next few episodes will be other chats that we recorded. So we sat down and, and chatted with uh, Chase from Oak and Oscar. There's several times he's been on the show the third time. And we uh, we had an appearance from Mike Pearson uh, with Zodiac Watches and and kind of the fellow that helped Jason and I really kick off uh, our friendship, which would become TGN. Uh, Wesley from Standard H is on an episode. And then finally, we have a really great kind of in-depth chat with um, co-president, co-CEO, I guess, of, um, of Oris, a fellow by the name of VJ. Uh, so those will be the next few episodes. Uh, but if you want to be able to get kind of the full chat on today's episode, uh, you're going to have to go by the Warren and Wound podcast feed. I'll put a link to the show in the show notes, of course, to make it as easy as possible for you. But if you're not subscribed, now's probably a good chance to do it, right? Yeah, I agree. It was amazing to, to sit down with people that we haven't seen for several years. And, and of course, yeah. uh, Mike is such an old friend and, and VJ, um, Chase. I mean, it's just, it was it was awesome. And then I, I think the, the, the biggest fun was... Um, you know, hearing from from listeners and, and folks in the audience that that asked uh, a lot of great questions. It was uh, it was really cool. And and Zach and Blake uh, certainly did more than hold up their end of the of the podcast as well. So yeah, do go check that out. It's going to be great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And and so that was kind of the the main core. Like we had a couple of these programming events, some chats, that sort of stuff. That's what we did. Otherwise, we just hung out. Yeah, we got to walk around and see all these great brands. Uh, I got my hands on uh, not only the the watch which I'm going to talk about in uh, wrist check in a moment, a, a nice new Seiko, but also the new uh, Citizen JP 2007 loom dial, Yeah, uh, which I, I really only took off my wrist because I want to try and go in chronological order for these wrist checks. <laughs> um, but I, I'm, I'm kind of hooked on this one and on the new Seiko. It's, it was a really great weekend for, uh, for watches. I was surprised by the merch, how well it went. Pe- people were pretty thrilled by it and, and enjoyed it. And, uh, and I think we had a nice kind of spread and, and a bundle and that sort of stuff. And, and Jason, you can talk about what our plans are for that stuff in just a moment here. But you also got up to uh, some other extracurricular stuff. You want to kick off there? Yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, you know, the show opened last Friday and, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a good busy first day. And then um, Saturday morning, I got up uh, very early at, you know, four o'clock or something and then wolfed down some breakfast and coffee and then got a ride from uh, Ben Lowry. And if you're not familiar with B Lowry on Instagram or his, uh, his alternate uh, Instagram profile, Submersible Wrist, which you've got to check out. Um, ben has uh, written uh, over the years, uh, stories about uh, largely about dive watches. Um, he's worked for a blog to watch. I think he works for uh, Teddy Baldassar now. And uh, um, he's written a couple of things for Hodinkee or at least one uh, really great piece about commercial diving. He was a former commercial diver. He's just kind of an all-around good guy and uh, and a lot of fun. And he picked me up uh, early in the morning, and and we drove over to Hammond, Indiana, which is the first town across the border. Drove to the marina, and got on a dive boat with a couple of other good friends of of TGN and and longtime kind of Instagram buddies. I had never met any of these guys before. Chris Soul, uh, he's appeared on on uh, at least one Q and A in the past with us, and, and he's written us and 
good friend of ours. And then uh, Chris Scott, who's a, a Naui dive instructor based out of Chicago and Florida. And, and Chris and I go way back. Uh, he's, he's been a good friend over the years as well. And we did uh, sort of a, an informal wind up in the lake. So we, we uh, humped our gear out onto a dive boat, went out of Hammond and dove a couple of shipwrecks on Saturday morning. It was, uh, it was really good fun. And uh, I, I loved the ability to kind of sneak in a bit of an adventure uh, you know, it, conditions weren't perfect. It was a bit murky and, and surface conditions were kind of choppy. I was feeling a bit green uh, on the boat ride, but uh, the dives were were so much fun. The first dive was like 72 degrees, which is amazing for Lake Michigan. And, uh, and then the second dive was considerably colder. And, and I, I cut my dive a little short uh, along with Ben because we were the two idiots with wetsuits on. <laughs> but, you know, just so fun to meet those guys. And I can't thank them enough for for letting me tag along and, and especially to Ben for ferrying me back and forth and getting me back in reasonable time to get to the show. I also want to, you know, give a shout out to Chris soul who had this, this great idea of um, ahead of this, he had said, you know, if, if we can take some kind of a TGN expedition flag, you know, kind of like the explorers club sends its flags around the world to plant on summits and, and underwater and all manner of uh, escapades all over the world. And, and we can take it and, and get some cool uh, photos of it on our little adventure in the morning, uh, I think it'd be pretty cool to kind of start a little trend. And indeed, you know, you mentioned our merchandise and, and one of the things we did was this kerchief set with cantonment, um, that's been popping up on Instagram and we sold quite a few at the show. We still have quite a few left, um, that we'll be selling, um, as part of a bundle of TGN merchandise on our website, uh, in the near future. So stay tuned for that. But we'd love to see those, uh, those kerchiefs, uh, show up all over places as kind of expedition or adventure flags kind of going to come up with some kind of a kind of a fun hashtag or, or maybe you can help us with that and just tag us and, and show those photos of those flags all over or whatever you get up to um, but kind of the first of that series was uh, I took it on the dive and Chris had a camera and he snapped a photo of me holding up the TGN kerchief underwater as kind of a, an expedition flag and uh, and we'll throw that in the show notes and, and you'll see it on Instagram in the next couple of days so uh, Chris fantastic idea loved it thanks for the photo uh, thanks to all you guys for um, for letting me tag along. That was uh, that was a blast. So yeah, stay tuned to future episodes. We'll have more details about how the merch thing is going to work. Um, but it, it's not a ton of work for us to align a little shop and uh, and get a chance for people to pick up a bundle. If you're keen, and, and that would include the Cantonment, you can start tagging your adventures with the flag, which I think is super fun. I saw the photo this morning, and it was <laughs> it's delightful. Uh, it's a, it's a cool idea for yeah. sure. So beyond that, uh, you know how how did the drive go? You know, I, I flew, and it ended up being not uh, dramatic everything well, I mean I had one flight canceled but it all worked out in the end <laughs> how did it go for the drive you know an old Land Rover did its job it certainly did yeah on the on the way down we we took two days to get down to Chicago um, as I documented well on Instagram and got a lot of feedback on that um, and then we parked it in front of the venue for pretty much all the days we were there but uh, the truck did great we did great my left leg was a little bit tired from pumping the clutch pedal in Chicago traffic but uh the way down, we took kind of rural back roads down through southern Minnesota, a little bit of Iowa, and then cut over across the northern part of Illinois and, and just went through some lovely um, little farm towns, little places that, you know, I've never heard of, just rolling hills, beautiful scenery, lots of little small towns, you know, stopping. We, we, we heated up some burritos on the, on the exhaust manifold <laughs> along the way, and, and I managed to cut my finger trying to, trying to snip off the, uh, the zip tie, but that was a, a minor culinary accident but then on the way back yesterday you know 
as as was often the case after a big event, you know, we're just like, we just want to get home. And the quickest way to do that was to hop on the interstate out of Chicago. So we, we got onto I-90 and, and zipped over uh, up through past Madison and across the state of Wisconsin into Minnesota, up to Rochester, and then up Highway 52 north to the Twin Cities. And, you know, I was a little apprehensive about that. The The Defender, you know, it's a, it's a 93. It's... Um, I wouldn't say it's underpowered. It's I think it's undergeared for high-speed travel. So, you know, it tops out, I would say, comfortably at 65 to 70. And that's where I had it pegged for, it took us eight hours of kind of solid driving with a couple of stops. And, and it was hot yesterday. I mean, it was as a lot of the world and a lot of the country has been experiencing. I mean, it's been upper 90s uh, around here. And so it, it got hot as the day went on. But man, that truck, I'm so proud of it. It, uh, it just hammered. I mean, I just had it pegged at 65 and it you know, it was a little slower than most of the traffic, but it did just fine. So we were, we got in yesterday afternoon and, and I gave it a good, you know, pat on the bonnet and, and uh, it's parked outside all happy and ready for the next adventure. It was great. Fantastic. I love yeah. it. Yeah. People were thrilled to, uh, to see it parked outside the fair. And, and obviously uh, we had uh, some, some, a little impromptu <laughs> Land Rover meet up with, uh, with our buddies from uh, Okanoskar and Hasler Instruments and, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, we should get into a wrist check, but, but like like Jason, I said, just a, a huge thank you to the turnout, the folks that came out. Um, some of you traveled as far as we did to say hi and to do a lap of the show and, and check out some of the cool stuff that was there and, and, and let us know that you enjoy the podcast. And I don't know, it, it's just really nice to to get the opportunity to see some friends. Uh, Jason, of course, you and Gashani, uh, it's been way too long, but even just just friends that we know from emails and, and uh, Instagram handles and stuff like that. Yeah. So uh, a, huge, a, a huge and sincere thank you from the entire uh, TGN extended crew for uh, the warm hospitality in Chicago. Yeah, so true. So true. I mean, we had uh, Alejandro flew up from Mexico for the day. What a, what a dude. We had a couple visiting from <laughs> Slovenia that I'm really sorry I missed because uh, we were doing some recording, but Kashani had a good chat. Matt flew up from Texas. I mean, we, we just had people driving mm-hmm. from, you know, five hours away and, and further. So, yeah, I mean, huge thanks. So enough said about that. It was, uh, it was, it was such a wonderful time. And I uh, hope everybody yeah. appreciated it as much as we did. All right, you want to do some wrist check? Let's do that. Yeah, you've got something fun that uh, uh, that I guess we we talked about a bit. It'll it'll show up when you listen to uh, the the next uh, little bit here with the Warren and Wound folks. Um, but yeah, you've got a yeah, fun true. One. Yeah, tell us about it. Yeah, I, uh, so I, some of you would have seen on my Instagram uh, the week before last. I, I was saying that I was having some trouble finding one of the new Seiko GMTs. So the Seiko Five GMT, it's the SSK series. Um, I, I had, I had kind of put in, um, registered my interest or, or that sort of thing on every option here in Canada. And I had several of these retailers convert, they would say they were in stock and I was trying to get one to have it at wind yeah. up. Right. Um, and they would say that it was in stock. I would go ahead and buy it. And then they'd say, Oh, you you know, you have a pre-order now. Oh yeah. And you're like, well, that's not the same as in stock. So I, I did that once or twice. Got, got a little frustrated, put a message on Instagram, which I'm not, I don't commonly do, but, um, Put a message on Instagram, and of course, our our, our good buddy Zach Pena reached out and said, "Hey, you know, uh, Toppers in uh, in California, Toppers Jewelers, who of course has helped us source watches in the past. Um, they they had them and uh, and were willing to uh, to send one. So I, I had it sent to Jason to save, you know, whatever the delays the border might have been, and uh, and it ended up being less tax anyways because uh, you don't have to pay all the money for UPS or whoever to to do the paperwork." Right. Uh, if you just declared on your way back, uh, back over. So that was great. And, um, and a huge thank you to Zach and the folks, uh, the, you know, the always fine folks at Toppers Jewelers. Uh, they couldn't have made it easier. 
And yeah, I got an SSK003. So that's the blue dial with the black blue bezel and the red GMT hand. And so far, I'm, I'm just absolutely thrilled with it. It's, uh, you know, these things are a little under $500. Uh, the bracelet's pretty nice. They've drilled lugs and solid end links. Uh, I actually, uh, when I got it home, because I didn't wear it on the bracelet much, I had it on a NATO for wind up. But when I got home, I, I quickly dug out uh, like a handful of 22 millimeter straps. So I'm going to try it on, on everything I own. <laughs> and right now it's on an isoframe, like one of the ones that would have come with a Halios back in the oh, day. Yeah. Wow. And I, I like it quite a bit. It feels very summery, kind of matches the vibe. I used to wear my SKX on a uh, on an isoframe a lot. But so far, it's keeping good time. The loom is great. The uh, tension bezel's weird. Everybody commented that. You're just mm-hmm. so used to a click. Yeah. Um, but it's certainly functional. I mean, you can you can do enough, another time zone on it if you want. Yeah. It has a 24-hour reut, so I, I think I'll probably put a dive bezel on it at some point, like after I've done the review and, and that kind of stuff, and, and it's it's really just mine. Right. Um, but right now, I'm I'm super impressed. It's a it's keep a good time. Like I said, the loom's pretty solid. And the GMT is really easy to use. It's, you know, one direction changes the date forward and the other one changes the GMT hand forward. And because it's a nice big hand, it's, you know, depending on how you wanted to use it to travel, I'm not sure that you would care which hand was showing local and which was showing home. Yeah, true. So in in that way, you could use it pretty easily to track uh, another time zone or to move to another time zone uh, simply because you get this nice big hand that, that, that matches the legibility of the hour hand pretty nicely. So has a little bit of a twin time vibe in that way, really easy to wear. And yeah, if you if you know an SKX it or or the new Seiko Fives, that's that's kind of the vibe. Yeah, that's uh that was a cool watch. I was I was happy to uh have it in my hands for a few days before I passed it on and then I gave it to you and you immediately sized the bracelet and I I don't know, for me like if if it's going to be hot for the next little while, I think you move it back onto the onto yeah, that cool right. kind of jubilee. I mean, I I think it looked really good on your wrist on that bracelet and those yeah, those kind of rattly Seiko bracelets, and this one's a little less rattly than than the typical Seiko bracelets, but yeah, it, it looks tolerances so are a little bit better than they used to be. Yeah, yeah, it does yeah. look good. Yeah, and it matches the sort of piloty vibe, right? Because it, you know, right, almost like a GMT Master, which has a a dive watch look and feel, maybe. Yeah, with with the rotating bezel, the big hands, the big markers, that sort of thing. In the same way, I mean, in my opinion, these look a little bit almost too Rolexy. Right, um, right, which is why I think they'll be great to mod. Yeah, um, especially with the blue black bezel. Like, um, you know, I love the blue dial. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I went with something a little bit more colorful than my normal black or gray. Yeah, um, and who knows? Maybe they'll do a white one at some point. They seem to be getting pretty good at, at offering white dials, and that could be awesome as well. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I, I think that the, the vibe does really suit this watch and the hundred meters water resistance and the rest. And uh, at some point, I'd also like to take it diving just to kind of prove a point. Yeah. Um, so that that's, I suppose, also on the list. We'll see how many stories I can get out of one watch. <laughs> I'm pretty good at getting my mileage out of Seiko's. Yeah, right. Yeah. So how about you? What have you got on wrist? Yeah, I, sw- I swapped over after, you know, days of, of you know, past few episodes. All I've been wearing is that uh, that Loom Dial Citizen that, that you've got on. And, what a good um, watch. You know, for much of the show, we, we both had the same watch on our wrists. It was funny. We had the, and, and it's so noticeable from a distance, this mm-hmm. dark gray PVD watch with a big black rubber strap. And then that loom dial shows up from across the room. And um, I've had trouble taking that one off. I, I took it diving uh, on Saturday. And um, and then I kind of swapped through that and the and the T-Graph, the old T-Graph Doxa at the show, which was fun to share with people. And um, we saw so many great watches there. But so I've been I'm kind of that citizen and doxa kick lately but i when i got home last night i just wanted something a little smaller lighter um you know uh, and i moved over to the the tornick rayville tr660 and, nice. and you know bill 
Bill with uh, with Mark II and Tornick uh, are usually at windup. Um, they opted not to not to do Chicago for kind of a scheduling, I guess, and just time management purpose. But they'll be in New York apparently uh, in October, and I, I'd love to see Bill again. And he makes such a great watch, and and it's just it had been a while since I'd worn this one, so it's uh, it's good to have it back on the wrist. Absolutely, yeah, good pick, uh, good yeah. pick for sure. We've got lots of good watches these days, right? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, and yeah, thank you again for uh, for sorting out the uh, the hand to hand delivery of the SSK and 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 to Zach and, and Toppers for uh, making the connection for me. Yeah, uh, super fun. You want to? We figure we bounce into the main topic. Yeah, we should. All right. So as I explained at the top, we'll keep this nice and light for those of you who were listening. The main topic today is the latter half, the second half of our recording with the Worn and Wound podcast uh, with Blake and Zach from the show at wind up Chicago. So if you want the first half, which you should for both continuity reasons and because I'm actually pretty proud of how it all came together, you're going to have to go over to Warren and Wound's podcast page uh, that's in the show notes, of course, and subscribe if you're not already. And if you're already, then it would have showed up in your feed yesterday. And maybe you already listened to the first, you know, 40, 45 minutes, however it worked out for their edit. Our half has uh, a lot of different topics in there and a great Q&A. So, you know, it's one of those cases without further ado, here's the uh, second half of a of a conversation we had just a few days ago in Chicago. I hope you love it. I was going to say, especially like earlier on in the days of Warner we were much more like stubbornly focused on like, a, you know, a price point of say sub five grand. Like, you know, I'm focusing on the brands that are in this room. Like they, I think were designing for that always. And they had a business model, you know, directing consumer business right. model where they could, uh, kind of keep that sort of specificity to exactly what they want. I mean, these are brands that literally designed the watch that they wanted and then priced it for themselves kind of a thing, you know? So I feel like it is very live and well in certain groups. And now, you know, I think, yeah, something like that Tudor Ranger. Like, I was I was almost more impressed by the price when they first announced it's it. It's what changed the, the you, vibe of the watch for me. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a very good value for what it is um, from a brand that could compete or does compete with watches that are 2, 2.5x, you know, the price of, of, of it. Um, but yeah, no. So I, I think I, I think I agree with you. I think they're seeing also that the brands you know in this room are no longer um, like on the side of the of the periphery of the industry. You know, Christopher Ward out there selling as much as as some large Swiss watch brand. So you know, and, and well deserved. And well deserved. Yeah, I mean the, the huge value, the quality if you're of what you're getting there is and, outstanding. And you get what you want, and you're buying yeah. from people who know watches, which yeah, is kind of sure. what we all want, right? Like you want to believe the person at Rolex or Tudor or Patek or whoever, like loves watches and the truth is they might not yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they yeah. might know watches really well which helps too i think formex is a great example of a brand that's here Absolutely. that's like giving you a ton of watch and for for the for the money and, yep. you know Aster i think and if, banks Aster and banks and I, you know i think that you see features out there uh, i mean that that spring-loaded case that they have and yeah, the, the yeah. carbon material that you i mean if this was I don't, like name any other brands but there's high other band brands could give some of these features real sexy names and yeah. be selling them for yeah. a lot, a lot of money. And people would be like, that's amazing. And I would pay for it. You know, they kind of present it as this is what it is. And this is what you're getting. And we're enthusiastic about this stuff. And uh, you see the value there. And, you, you, you know, I think. Can we get a chrono check on the Aqualand? Oh, that's today. That's it. We're, on, we're on the date. We're on the date. Uh, top left pusher, please. No, no, bottom. Uh, oh, bottom right. Bottom right. Mode, mode, left, mode, pusher, left. mode pusher. It's going to explode. It's got reset. Bottom left. Bottom left. Go to the chrono. This is a fun little bit, right? Maybe. 42.7. Oh, we're doing fine. Okay. We're doing fine. Okay. All right, so Formex is a good example of a cool brand that's, yeah. that's doing cool stuff at the Are show. Are we talking here? about cool stuff from the show? Yeah, yeah let's right. do it. Cool. What else? Yeah. What else is. Are you talking about price sensitivity? I mean, 
go check out the Laurier booth. Oh my, my dude. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I don't it. think they have a bad design. And no. they're they're like, I don't know what the new Zephyr is, the new dress watch. Which I'm not a dress watch guy, but I tried that bucks. on. I'm like, if I, I four ninety nine, it's like four hundred ninety nine dollars. Buy some right out of thirties. And you know, yeah, we're just talking about the Ranger, and I, I, yep. I don't recall the name of their their Ranger esque watch. Falcon three, Falcon. Falcon, Falcon, yeah, version three, you know. Yeah. Falcon, it's yeah. killer. It's beautiful. If you have, if you didn't t- head over and, and take a peek, it's it's killer. Yeah, I mean, it's Miyota movement. It's a it's a smaller size. Well, thirty six. Thirty six. It's got that kind of a honeycomb textured dial, Arabic numerals. I mean, it's beautiful. And yeah. you put it on your wrist, and it's like this feels like, okay. I mean, maybe it's a stretch, but like a ten sixteen. I mean, it's yeah. it has it's that, that vibe to it. But yeah. and then different lugs. Yeah. You know that semi integrated sort nice of nice bracelets. Yeah. yeah. I really like what Laurier is doing. And then the other one that I'm really keen on, and I'm just such a sucker for it, is the the Benrus. Oh, They've got a Type, type two, 2 re-release, or like kind of a reissue. Yeah. Oh, I want that. I really <laughs> want that. I want an original one, but now they've gone yeah. way too expensive. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with the horn room glasses and the, and the sort of like espionage vibe, like, <laughs> I think you, yeah, type, CIA you need that, to, yeah, yeah, exactly, you, need, you head to Thank the jungle, you. Thank go you. to the Tell jungle. Tell my wife, I'll, I'll yeah, I mean, get the credit card, it's the justification. Okay. you'll be okay, you'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, I mean, I, I bought the Hasler Instruments, the, that spring bar tool. Oh, sure. I'm a sucker yeah. for something I can play with on a Zoom call, yeah. and it's a, like, it's essentially like, a, if you imagine like, or if you know the... The like tactile turn. Here's a, a shout out for your boys at Tactile Turn. We're huge yeah, fans. We have some at the booth. But it's these kind of like very nice mechanical. Uh, not the the pen itself is is a variety of, of uh, inserts, but um, it's a Nautilus colorway. Yeah, too. in the short with the the space nice. cartridge yeah. and um, but they've got kind of the same vibe, like that same level. It's like a, a bolt action um, spring cool. bar tool. Yeah, and the guy, like they're. Largely handmade. He makes everything by hand. He's right across the river from, from me in St. Paul. Yeah. Oh, really? um, and I'm such a sucker for buying something from someone basement. who made it in yeah, their basement. It's incredible. I love it. Yeah. He's so, yeah, probably we, sold out. He only brought like 10. I think he, has, <laughs> yeah. like, he makes them by hand and they yeah. take like a week to make each one. So. I asked him this morning and they're not expensive. Like for, for what we just said, they're not expensive. As far as spring bar tools go, it's the last one you'll need to buy. Um, I, I'm impressed. So I bought one. I'm, I'm super happy about it. And then, um, oh, uh, Noble Oak. Oh, Which yeah. we're drinking right, right here. Yeah. What about you, Zach, from the show? Oh, God. Um, I think a watch that really surprised me, I've seen it sort of in various iterations over uh, the last couple of years, uh, is the the Solabs Automatic. I don't know if there's a specific oh, yeah. name That's for that. Oh, yeah, the first one on my list. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I God, just the, the they're yeah. so great, so so much fun, and just, I love the, I love it when you see a design that feels like, like they... In some ways, I'd never seen a watch before. They're like, yep. this is what I want a watch to be. These are the shapes I want. All those numbers and stuff, I don't care about that. And then bringing color in a very creative way, using the date and day to like build a color combination. Like an active complication. gradient. A gradient that yeah. yeah, so it's yeah. constantly shifting. And then just, I mean, the tones of the colors, these beautiful, almost matte ceramic pastel colors, like just totally out there, unique. And, uh, and and then solid feeling too. Like it's not just a toy. It's like a beautifully right. made yeah. solid timepiece. Yeah, that's on my list for sure. Did they have yeah. a black one over there? Yeah, BBD one striking just, the dial. Yeah. <laughs> it just pops off yeah. of that thing. Yeah. It's so cool looking. I'm always like loosely obsessed with brands that have managed to do that like M B and F, like double. You're like, oh, what is yeah. that? Yeah. And you can still read the time, but it's something yeah. else. It doesn't look like anything that any of us probably have on in the room. But as somebody and who looks at their watch and often isn't even looking at the time, like there, it's like it's just art that's presented to you, and then you go like, oh, by the way, it's three fifty. And, and, and please, uh, SO Labs, uh, I apologize if I'm wrong, but I think the quartz ones are like 180 bucks, 175. Oh yeah, bucks. I mean, there's the yeah the early and then the, the Miyota ones are like under a grand. 
And I, I saw the Miura ones last night, and I think, I think all they're actually Salida SWs in these new ones. Is that what's in them? Yeah, oh, yeah, the new man. ones. Yeah, that's, so. uh, I mean, they're really super fun. And it, earlier today, we saw a, a fella came by the TGN uh, stand and, and had uh, Mad One. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the blue yeah, I've never first seen one. edition so Mad cool. One, which yeah. is, uh, you know, like a, a limited creation from Max Busser. And I just think, like, a don't get me wrong, I want spinner. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, like I, I want stuff like that, like that uh that Aqualand. I want stuff like my SPB or my my Seikos. But I also love the option of spending not a fortune on having something that's like only for watch nerds. Yeah. Right? And the blue one is a major flex now. It is now, yeah. Series one not being red. <laughs> yep, exactly. Another one for me that I want to give a shout out to is uh the Fortis Straddleliner. Uh, I know you're not a chrono guy, but the dial on that watch I find Sick. really interesting. It looks like a have to check unfinished out. Yeah. prototype or something that they're like, no, I like this. And it looks it, like, a, like a CAD design file Super or flat. something just placed like, into there. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very strange looking in a cool way. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're doing really cool things and testing the space and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I like I think, the... Uh, <laughs> you know, I think, I think we prob- probably get to a QA and a in the next few minutes, but Let's I think Anna's yeah. yeah. worth checking out as well because that's one that I've only seen online for... Yes. What, Always two years, three out. years? If yeah. you can get to the booth. If, if you guys have yeah, you got to cut your way in. You can get a machete. In Ordain. Oh, yeah. Right. Ordain, oh, yeah. yeah. So cool. Real sweetheart running, running yeah. the show there. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, and the variety of dials. The one thing I would say focus on is think about what he's making there, which is a slightly reflective dial that's still hyper legible. It's not easy to do. He makes it look easy. But if you actually think about it, like if you, if you zoom out a little bit, it's like harder to do. And I'm, uh, that's another one I'm real tempted to be to put, take one home. They've, they've got a couple different sizes and they've got like a green field watch sort of one that's super cool. Yeah, beautiful dials there. Worthy, you gotta see those in person uh, if you haven't yet. So. Agree, the value of, of a windup. So before we get to questions, you'll re- you'll say them. We don't have a microphone to share around yeah, we'll and then them. one of us will repeat them <laughs> in, the, in the microphone. That's an interesting question. Uh, so, so he's asking if, if we have a reference point or a watch that we've owned as this is a size that works for me. Yes, without deviating from that, we've kind of, if we've locked ourselves into that size because of a watch that we've owned, uh, basically. Uh, yeah, I think for, for me, I have a, a Seiko 7006 um, that, uh, that I like for, and wore for a long time, and that, that was kind of like what I used. I think it's 41 millimeters, there's not much of a lug to it. Uh, so, uh, but it took me years to kind of get out of, of that comfort zone. And I used to be in, a, in the same place of like, I, you know, I have to have a watch that's in this. It can't be over this diameter. It has to be in this. So, I'm for sure, it limited how I thought about the watches that I could potentially wear on my wrist. The easy answer would be something like a, a Submariner because it's so, or an XKX. Um, but for me, it, I'm going to spin it slightly differently. It's it's a watch that once I wear a bunch of others and then I come back to, it's like comfort zone. It's like yeah. it's like ah, oh. and it's it's a Doxa Sub 300. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, it's. Yeah. You wear a lot of other watches, you know, Bremont or this or a, a Seiko or something. Everything feels a little too tall, a little too heavy, maybe a little too small, whatever it might be. And the way that that sub 300 fits, it's it's thin, it's flat, and and just the shape of that case sort of sits on your wrist like a little cuff, and it's just so comfortable. Not on the bracelet that it comes with, but no. but like on a strap, NATO yeah. or, or even a rubber or something. And if anyone comes to that hangout, we'll do after this. I have one. Uh, it's yeah. on my, yeah, my lovely wife's wrist. Yeah. Uh, you're more than welcome to try it on. Yeah. Uh, but that is a watch that defies every, almost every dimension yeah. Um, yeah. to become this weirdly. I, I love it. If you have a seven, seven and a half inch wrist, I think it might be perfect depending on your taste. Yeah. For me, for a long time, it was the SKX. Like for years. 
And then I, the only time in my watch uh, buying selling career, I, I, I came upon a Rolex that was affordable at the time and I bought a 16570 and that's kind of become my, my basis. But I, I think there's some credence to what Jason said. Like, I think if you can, if, if it fits within the confines of a sub 300 for me, it'll probably be fine. But these days I also, I try and be a little bit adventurous, not lug to lug, but any other dimension I find is you can ignore it. If, if it's too thick, it's a summer watch when I'm not wearing a jacket or uh, you know you know this is how I do most you know most of the time I'm rolled up um, and that's that's why like uh, where I, I might have let's say Seiko was still making the SKX 007 I might not be that interested in buying another one I have I have an older one um, but add a GMT movement and I'm back in even if by today's standards it would be called kind of a thick watch right it's a tough question I, I, I feel like I've I've just rotated watches so much over the years, and like the the dominant watch in my collection has kind of just periodically shifted. So, I feel like at some point it might have been like a Sin Five Five Six, which was oh, yeah. like for a while, like you're like that's That'll the only thirty eight point five millimeter watch I can find on the market, you know, and like and that now, is speedy you know, reduced. Yeah, well, and you know <laughs> now I have a speedy reduced, and like and that's the you know thirty nine. And that is actually the Speedmaster that's like stayed in my collection the longest, and I don't intend on selling it. I love it to death. You've had other um, really cool Speedmasters. Yeah, I, I, and like Speedy Pros are just the the classic Moonwatch size case. Like, I think that that's a, actually a really good benchmark for like yes, something that has larger numbers does can wear well, um, but I, I mentioned never hold on to them. But I do find if it's like it's it's very safe if it's if between forty and thirty six, I almost don't need to know any other number for me. You know, really? occasionally, but like, but then like you're saying, like if it's occasionally it gets something weird where like a lug to lug will be 50 and you'll be like, that doesn't work yeah. anymore. Yeah, like a Nomos Orion is a beautiful watch. And if yeah, you, but that if does you have work. a flat enough wrist, it works great. Yeah. But it's kind of like the lugs just keep going. Well, the 36s, the smaller ones on those don't bother me. And I, I yeah, I had a, yeah, Nomos, I have a club. Like that was actually one of like the first. I love the club 36. So yeah, the 36 millimeter club, I got that years ago. It was like my first. I think like one of my first watches was over $500. And unfortunately, it's been broken for about four or five years. <laughs> like, instead of getting that fixed, I just buy new watches. That's, <laughs> but um, yeah, everyone always used to comment like, oh, the vampire lug, like teeth lugs on that thing. I was like, really? It's like, never drove it just me nuts. well, yeah. you know? Like, <laughs> the club's such a cool watch. I just, yeah. It's a weird thing. I'll say this to all you. Well, I guess I'm, I'm saying Send it to the world. To the world. Yeah. Uh, uh, screen as well. I just wish they make a brush version. Was that weird? They did, a, do brush that often. They, did, they did a brush they did version one, with. It was barely even brushed. They did it a was kind of. A, it was there matte. was there was a jeweler was like that they worked with somewhere, and I. No, there's one. There was there was another one. Where they they did a a bead blasted and hardened case, and they made like forty of them. We need to see more of these. Yeah. I'm completely on board. I said this to them I love, before. I love a Campus 36. <laughs> yeah. I think that's like a super wearable. It's it, it's my favorite. It's also like the least expensive thing in their lineup. But the the full polish, I just I would it would just be um, <laughs> it would just look ridiculous after about a month on my wrist. It would just be half covered in scratches. That's all right. After a year, it looked great. Yeah, exactly. Give, give me brush so that, I can yeah. slow it down. Yeah. yeah. Great question. Uh, Thank you. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much. We got another. So we're being asked uh, whether or not after the pandemic we're feeling a need to grow or uh, intentionally push towards growth uh, for. Uh, I'll speak and Jason will speak to uh, the Grenado. Um, I'll come out and say, like, I feel like, you know, we mentioned this when, when we did the 200th episode just recently. Uh, Congrats, by the way. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. Uh, no, uh, I, I feel very strongly that communities have a, a fixed, uh, a happy size and we're approaching that. And if it grows beyond that, that's okay. It's fine. But we're not hunting for that. 
I really like that right now we're at a point where we can reply to emails, yeah. we can ship everything that people want, we can, um, we can cover all of the Q&As that come in. And I feel like if, if it were to double quickly, which is kind of how things work, you, you stay in the game for seven, eight years, and then all of a sudden you're an overnight success. Um, and I'm not saying that's what's happened to us. It's what happens to bands, that sort of thing, right? Everybody says like, oh, all of a sudden their seventh album, they're world famous. And you're like, yeah, they've been working for 20 years. Um, and, and no, Jason and I are, are we're, you know, we're not a great businessman. Uh, we're not uh, overly commercially minded. Both of us have other, other paths for making a living, covering rent, that sort of stuff, which is important, I think. I would say that if anything, the pandemic showed me the value of all of you. Because uh, it was not easy. Uh, I think if you listen, if you go back and listen to the isolation tapes, there was constant um, construction at my house. I was going through. Well, if I go back and listen to them, which is kind of painful now, like probably a small mental health crisis, which isn't isn't rare. I think a lot of people had that experience. Mine was maybe just focused on the fact that my house was shaking nine, ten hours a day when I was trying to also record a podcast that I care a lot about. And and I I don't think like I don't I don't really know where I would be if it wasn't for. Uh, the folks who listen to the pod and who send in these incredibly like generous and kind or the mean ones like the ones that tell us we got something wrong I, like everybody's got to eat some crow you know you guys know if you listen to the pod I love to do it it's one of my favorite flavors but you know it, it's it's been a real learning experience I think the last couple of years in just what the value of the community is and we're not I have less than no interest in ruining that and especially seeing what's gone on at the table and around the, around the scene and you guys coming. I, I'm having trouble making contact with eye contact with any of you. <laughs> Feeling emotional at the moment. Um, but no, I just I, I probably said too much, but uh, I, I love all of you and, and for listening. And, and this isn't something that we care to make more any a penny more than we need to keep making it, which is where we're at. So would you yeah. say anything different or did no, I, I, I just, probably said I too echo, much as I do? I would echo the same. And I always tell James, like I, every every company I've worked for in my whole life, it's like they, they grow to a certain level and then it becomes less appealing, you know? I mean, I remember the first company I worked for, one of the first companies I worked for, I liked it because I'd go into the office and they had, there were people kicking soccer balls around and there were dogs running around between the cubicles and whatever and everyone was kind of having fun. And then they started growing and they started growing and then the rules came in and then everything kind of got too big and they tried to branch out and whatever and it just kind of got less fun. And what we do now is still fun. We're still two guys that just chat over Zoom and record our sides of the podcast. James, you know, edits it. We put it out every week. And sometimes it's Tuesday morning when we're recording. We're like, what should we talk about today? And it's like, uh, let's talk about this. And it's like, okay, great, we'll do it. And we just do it. And it's been fun every single week. Yeah. And it's been rewarding. And then, you know, the evidence is here. I mean, yeah. when people come to our table and we're telling us how much it means to them and how much they enjoy it. I mean, it's yeah. really meaningful. I don't want to grow for the sake of growth. I like it organic. And I'd say if you like it, keep listening. If you don't like it, at least give me a chance. Send me an angry email. I'll contextualize it appropriately, I promise. <laughs> and, uh, and, and we'll pivot. And if there's something you'd love to, for us to talk about, send it, again, thegraynado.gmail.com. Uh, it, it's a real two-way street is how we operate. The, but the, the Substack has been incredible. People are in there chatting. And, and um, this sounds promotional. And that's not what I meant. I meant it as a thank you. So yeah, uh, I know that uh, people have said in the last couple of days here that they liked the show because it was this kind of calm point in, in a time that wasn't that calm, and that's exactly what it was for Jason and I. It was something we knew what we had every Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock, uh, get into Zoom and chit-chat with a buddy, and, uh, and, and in a way it feels like we were chit-chatting with all of you, and that's a, uh, a huge thank you to the, 
Warner wound and wind up teams uh, for making us part of this because it, it meant that we could extend that chat face to face, which I, I don't take lightly at all. Yeah. Look, this is a small world at the end of the day. We've known I each other so. for, for many, many years. Uh, so, you know, I think we're all in this to the same end. We all have the same enthusiasm and passion for this. This is what kind of drives both of us. You know, I will say on our end, the, 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 the podcast is kind of meant to be complimentary to, to what we're doing editorially um, on the site. And, and that's really kind of what whatever we find interesting. Uh, you know, I, I guess over the last year or so since I got here, it's just really how can I incorporate more of the voice of the reader uh, into what we're doing uh, on the website, on the podcast. That's kind of where my head is at. Um, and people that just think differently than me and find things interesting that hadn't crossed my mind. Yeah. I think those are the people that I really want to embrace um, that kind of show me more of the hobby than I realized was there. So I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Yeah, <laughs> I could go on for really way too long. We're just yeah. talking about the, the whole thing. But, you know, I think the... the the pandemic was, you know, a time where we just reflect a lot as a business. You know, we went into it as a much smaller company and came out much larger and with a lot of really great, you know, talent within our team. And now it's sort of about like maximizing that and maximizing our channels. But we're still independent. We're still bootstrapped, and we kind of stick to that sort of level of, you know, ownership over everything. And that's very important to us. We really, you know, just hold like authenticity and, you know, as a core of our of our business and whenever it starts to feel like that goes too far, we kind of were quick to rein that in. And so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're still growing and obviously this, this event is evidence of that. You know, we would have done this in 2020, but we couldn't, but we came back and did it much larger than we would have before. Um, New York is gonna be even bigger. And, you know, we're finding out where the kind of the limits of this are and how people, you know, want to have it, like, you know, from the audience, from the brands and yeah, just figuring, figuring out, figuring out that, that comfortable like you're saying, it's not, it's big, big, we're still getting larger, but we're not trying to take over the Javits Center with this or anything like that, you know? Um, I hope. Jeez. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, still a lot of room for growth, but all hopefully well done. Yeah. At the right pace. At the right pace. Yeah. Good one. For another? If there's any watch that we could buy at this show, budget, no uh, limits, it has to be here at the show. I'm saying there's a Manasseh over there with no date that they like have this natural paint on the dial. I'm, I'm not sure what happens. Quite striking. Yeah. Their cases are, are they yeah. define my simple explanation. If, uh, if, I'll just put it that way. Thanks for bringing them up because I, you know, it's easy to forget. <laughs> There's so many brands, but like it's, those are, you know, watches that you really can't see anywhere else but here right now. And they are absolutely fascinating. Um, so much craft and so much engineering just goes into each one of those watches. So yeah, I mean, that, that's a really good one kind of bring up like it's sort of like you know Anna Dane like the there's the level of handcraft that goes into them which you're not seeing often at these price points and um, yeah it, what Manasi is doing just totally out there and original I, I would say though for me right now and you already said it but the the Benner's type 2 oh. like that's just a watch that's been on that's my mine. list oh sorry <laughs> yeah. you're gonna say it too <laughs> so I'm gonna take that too yeah yeah. yeah 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 such an excellent one yeah yeah I mean I I was going to have a, a major cop-out because we've been so busy at our table that I really haven't had time to walk around and even look at what everybody's got. But the Type 2 from the ones that I knew were coming here, I made a beeline this morning and I looked and I was like, this is, this is the one. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, it's cool. I'm such a sucker for that watch. So. Yeah. And the price seems right. It seems like a good, I think it's $13.95. It just seems yeah. like... It even came down a little from the Type 1. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, that's a tough one. Um, you know, Aster and Banks is here. I'm a big fan of theirs. I've written up a bunch of their stuff. Uh, Montes here. I don't. I don't know if you get a better value on like a watch made by an obsessive team. They just love details. 
Um, but for me, it, it, it's because it's fresh for me. It is the Anordain stuff, that green dial sort of field watch. Like to do a green that's reflective, but still the hands don't get lost. It's not like any other greens. Uh, and and that, that's really tempting for me, for sure. Yeah, also, Citizen. <laughs> citizen. We're yeah. looking citizen good on time in case citizen. anyone's worried. We're looking good on time. <laughs> Another question? He wants a dive report from this morning. Um, and since my dive buddy's in the room, I can't exaggerate. We were talking on the, on the drive over here that. You know, since nobody else was there, we could say that we were, you know, it was 200 feet deep, we did an hour of deco, and there was a shark. And there was sure, yeah, yeah. Three sharks. Yeah, three <laughs> sharks, yeah. Uh, it was fun. You know, any diving is good. It was a, it, the first dive was quite shallow, and it was on a kind of a cool sunken barge. Um, we went out of Hammond, Indiana, and uh, we went out with a, on a dive boat there. The weather was a little choppier than we had hoped for. Uh, visibility wasn't great, but the, the water was warm, and... Uh, so it was kind of a shallow wreck. I think max depth on that first dive was about 33 feet. Some kind of cool swim-throughs on, nice. on a barge that was uh, sunk in the, the 1920s. Um, so that was fun. It was very warm. I was diving in a wetsuit today, um, which I was pleased about on the first dive. But then on the second dive, we, we had quite a long boat ride. And we went to a wreck of the Louisville, which was a, a wooden steamer that was sunk in the 1800s. And um, that was a bit deeper. It was 55, 57 feet, I think, was my max. And uh, there was a thermocline, which means the water temperature drops below a certain point. And I was quite chilly. Then I wished I had my dry suit because I was wet and I had this long boat ride with the wind blowing across me. And, uh, and Ben and I, he was also in a wetsuit. And we, uh, we kind of bailed early. We, we did kind of a 24, 25-minute dive. Took a few photos. I brought my old film Nikonos underwater camera. Took a few photos. And uh, it was fun. I mean, it was great to dive with some, some good buddies and uh, people I haven't even met in person, but have been communicating with for years about diving and dive watches, and, and uh, so it was great. It was a really good time. Those photos go on swimproof. Uh, I'll put them up on the Instagram URL. when they get uh, oh, when they get uh, when they get uh, scanned. That was my pitch. The, no. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. Come on, that. Noble yeah. Oak, swimproof. No, yeah, right, here. right, right, right. No, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how the photos turn out. Yeah, it was a bit murky. Got another one over here. My, my good friend of the last few days is, uh, is saying it doesn't really feel like a, uh, a TGN. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, obviously, we weren't meant to be broadcasters necessarily, right? Or maybe I'm too used to public radio where, you know, you get some weather every 10 minutes. Um, but, yeah, we're supposed to offer a weather report. Uh, I don't know what the weather is back home. I can give the marine forecast. I mean, I was just out on the water. Let's talk about it. <laughs> I think the winds were out of the south and east at about 16. Yeah, the waves Chicago's were, pretty uh, The waves were humid. a little, little bumpy. Yeah. <laughs> humid. It was, a, it was a sticky walk over here this morning, yeah. for sure. Yeah. But uh, right. a lovely city. I've been impressed by Chicago. feels a lot like Toronto. Um, maybe as I get to know it better, I'll find more little pockets of, uh, of, of fun. But, uh, yeah, uh, for those of you who are local, you've got a lovely city for sure. So another fantastic question being asked if we feel that um, you spend more in a watch, do you feel like you should wear it more value over time? Uh, that sort of uh, the thing we have, uh, the comparison between a SKX781 and a, planet, a 42 millimeter Planet Ocean, both you know, obviously great dive watches, but of a different ilk, which is kind of the point here. Uh, what, what do you guys figure? Like if you, if you spend a lot of money on a watch, do you feel like you have to wear it? I mean, eh, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like they're bad examples though, because it's like it's really a sickness at this point. <laughs> by so many watches, like none of them get their, you know, enough time on the wrist. But um, you know, I think I, I do like the concept of cost per wear, which for some it was like something that I first, you know, heard of like with like shoes, you know, boots, and you know, Grant Stone out there is like a good example. They're they're friends of of, of ours, like. 
there was some psychological leap for me to go beyond like an $80 sneaker and a $350 pair of boots. And it's yeah, like, sure. yeah, you're going to wear them for 20 years when they're made like that. And you're going to, eventually, what, I don't think you figured it out, but the cost per wear is going to be, you know, really, really low. Um, so I guess you could think about that with watches. But then they're so much more precious in a certain way. And certain watches, you, you want a baby, you know, like, a, you know, I, I don't have a gold watch. But if I had a gold dress watch, I'd probably try not to smack it into door jams. On a daily basis, that's my. Those are my biggest enemy. I think in the watches is door jams. If, um, you know, so like that might not get the same sort of logic of wearing as, um, yeah, just a good steel watch that you know, yeah, I spend a decent amount on. I just wanna, I don't wanna wear and be fearless with. One watch, uh, the Grand Seiko, SBGA three seven five. I think it is. I, I picked up Spring Drive originally. That was gonna be a watch that was gonna keep pristine, but I liked wearing it too much, and then I was like. Yeah, I spend this money on this. I gotta wear the shit out of it, and I have, and I've, I've damaged it, and it's great. Yeah, yeah. so that, that's so a barrier that yeah. I think you you have to cross. You have to get with the expensive it, yeah. watch, and I think this is a balance you know. that we all probably confront. Of oh, this is a kind of a lot for this watch, but I bought it, and I, do, I know you guys don't like to consider yourselves collectors, which means <laughs> you're not buying it to just like set it there. You're buying it buy to it. use it, right? So. It's good, but at the same time, oh, I spent a lot on this, so I kind of want to be careful with it. But I've got to use it. But then you cross that line, and you're like, man. I guess I'm using it. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I think Jason might agree, but for me, I buy watch for moments. Yeah. Right? Like a loom dial, I want to go in from outside. I want to I be outside on the porch with my friends and walk inside to grab something cold from the yeah. fridge into a dark room, and you're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and my, sun, like, my sunglasses on, right? <laughs> and with my Explorer, like I bought my Explorer 2 uh, for my 30th birthday and immediately took it up Baker on the outside of my jacket. Right? I had a Garmin on one wrist and the Explorer on the other, and that's what I wanted. And for me, watches are about moments, especially now because you don't need to wear a watch. Or you could just wear an Apple Watch, you wear a, anything that has time on it, right? It doesn't make any difference. Things that aren't even watches. Uh, for me, it's about moments. So if I spend a bunch of money on a, on a watch, I want it to return these certain moments for me. And the Explorer has done that, and, and that's why it remains in, in my care uh, and hasn't been gone on, uh, you know, passed on to somebody else. And when it comes to dive watches, you know, or, or travel watches, like, I like buying them about the hopefulness of a moment, whether it's diving on a new wreck or um, uh, visiting a country I've never been to before or, or for an event I've never, or, or people I haven't seen in a long time, right? Some of you uh, who we've talked to on email for years and I've never met, I haven't seen Jason for years, uh, you know, for that sort of thing. And, and, and it's, nice, it's nice to have watches kind of as a, a sort of background, almost like the soundtrack. For some of this stuff, if you're that if you're that into it, I mean, we're all sitting here in the same room, so I assume we're all into it that much. But uh, that may sound crazy to someone who wouldn't come to wind up. But I think if you come to the show, I think you'd understand like these things are kind of these little touch points yeah. that you kind of attach memories to. It's it's a very human thing for a thing that's not that human, yeah. right? And uh, I love it. I, I love it for that reason. I, I, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know much to add to that other than to say that. You know, we have this concept of the beater, the watch that you, yeah, the cheap yeah, watch yeah, yeah. you have that you wear for rough duty and, you know, things that you don't want to ruin the watch. And I think, I kind of feel the opposite. I feel like the more you spend on a watch, the more you should expect of it, the better it should perform. You know, you should be able to do more with that watch because you spent more on it. Yeah. And I think you should wear it more often. I mean, I, not because of any sort of calculation or equation. It's just, I, I think that... Um, if you buy a Rolex Submariner, I mean, this, this is a watch that was designed to do a certain thing and it cost more than anything else, you know, Seiko or whatever it is. And like, you should, you should put it to that test. Yeah, and I think Rolex would like you to take it to the edge of hell and back. 
I'd be thrilled. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think that I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up actually, and because I, I was going to make a comment about, you know, I think it's one thing to like I'm lusting after a data graph or something. Oh, it wouldn't be great to have that, <laughs> but then it's just like, would I be giving myself the opportunity to experience those moments in a watch like that? Probably less so, but then it. A uh, memory uh, occurred to me that you went running uh, in a datagraph in uh, Dresden, I believe. I did, yeah. I had a loaner uh, so datagraph, and I was in in uh, Dresden, Germany, visiting Langa, and they loaned me a datagraph. And I went out for a, I was jet lagged, and I got up at 4 a.m., and I went for a run around Dresden just for some exercise, and I used the datagraph to time my run. <laughs> so, so what so, he just said, he actually, <laughs> he actually does. He's, 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 Probably ill-advised. I don't think they ever gave me another watch to try on. <laughs> I posted a photo of it, and they're like, "No more." Nothing like a platinum weight on your arm. When yeah, you're right. it was a good workout. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, if I—it's uh, funny you bring up the datagraph because I mean, uh, among my lesser dream watches would be something like a Longa One, yeah, uh, in solid gold, maybe even closed case back, that sort of thing. Maybe someday in the future, who knows? Um, and it's okay if it doesn't happen. Of course, it's just uh, an object of fascination. But that would be one I would—I would be like. All, like cutting the grass, yeah. like, like well, solid, it's a solid case back because it's like a flex to not yeah. see the movement on yeah. a long. I think it's cool. <laughs> exactly. No, but this is this. Yeah, I think you capture something there, and it's about those moments. And you want to give yourself the opportunity to experience as many of those moments as you can in those watches. And I and this is one thing that I will say about Justin. You cover your ears. Uh, vintage watches sometimes, and I've had some really cool vintage watches that I find myself yeah. not wearing because I'm afraid of this or that. So I find myself wearing a. A modern version of, of whatever experiencing more in that yep. watch therefore it starts to mean more to me than maybe this other watch that like I might aesthetically like a bit more or like how it fits on my wrist a little bit more but I end up wearing this when I'm doing this stuff yep. fishing with my kid or playing catch or whatever like those are the kind of things that I want to be doing in a watch and I want to watch that I can do that in. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean I feel like it's been a theme for the last 50 episodes you know over the pandemic of, uh, for Graynado it's just like don't be afraid to let your enthusiasm for watches be about your enthusiasm for watches. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm in some ways part of the problem. Jason, some of you guys are part of the problem. Oh, yeah. like, we all write from a perspective of proven taste and, and knowing the market and these sorts of things. But like, also, if something is, makes you happy, just do that. Yeah, Because yeah, it doesn't matter. This is only a hobby. It's, it's about loving something that, um, that isn't going to love you back. Uh, and uh, but but should be part of you know some experiences and, and and I think that works out regardless of what you spend. If you spend a ton of money and you want to get that wear, be that guy that wears his datagraph for the run, right? Yeah. Wears his uh, wears his whatever while cutting the grass. But um, I, and I, I think that the important thing is to understand that the media side of it is just one cycle, and it's going to change every two or three weeks. The personal side of it is you're buying something that theoretically someone made a brand made to last yeah. a lifetime. Yeah, and, and it doesn't have to last with you, but you should enjoy it. And if you're buying a watch because of the market, pause for a moment. Yeah, <laughs> please. Yeah, I think that's uh, a, a, a tough position currently, yeah. for sure. Any other questions? Uh, so uh, we've got a question asking uh, why has the Sky Dweller not become kind of a classic in the professional lineup? Um, you know, it, it offers a huge amount of um, technology and innovation. It's it's arguably like the biggest flex in their lineup, uh, tech-wise. And it's also like aesthetically one of the more uh, nuanced designs they have. There's hidden things in there, and uh, and you're asking maybe why it hasn't seen the come up that others have. Uh, I, I have a theory. Uh, what, what do you guys? Think? I, I mean, I can speak to myself. Uh, I 100% agree with you. It's the most innovative thing they've done in a very long time. Uh, I just don't find it very pleasant on the wrist. 
Yeah, I guess it comes down to that for me. And a lot of the classic professional models from Rolex uh, that I like a lot are imminently wearable. Like when I think of the Daytona, it's like one of the most wearable chronographs I've ever put on my wrist. Uh, it's the simple things that you don't really think about in that way. And you know, I feel like there's there's a few details like that on the Skydweller, just ergonomically, that just quite aren't in that realm. I've never I've never thought about it too much, um, but I do think you could be onto something with the, the fact that there is no historical lineage to it, so it just doesn't have those like long-standing roots. It's not as much part of the like just the 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 culture of, of the Rolex brand. That would be something worth exploring. Um, yeah, there's, there's no the name, Everest the or Sea Lab. Gnarly, or... Though. Maybe it's, it's also, it sounds like a Bond movie that could yeah. get made. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jason, I'm, I'm, you know, if, you, if you want to go one direction, in, in my mind it's because they, they went with it, they made a complicated watch and it's not something you expect from Rolex. So when you go to a Rolex uh, boutique or, or whatever and you see their range of watches, it's going to be like time, time and a date and a chronograph. <laughs> easy to understand. It's relatively easy to understand. And then they made this watch that like has an incredible array of complication that you have to have on your wrist to understand. And if you guys don't know the Skydweller, I, I arguably, I would say that Rolex doesn't explain it that well on their yeah. website. They're, they don't know how to because they're so used to explaining very conventional watches that almost don't need an explanation, right? If you want a Submariner, you probably know the first 10% or the 95% of why a Submariner is special. The Skydweller is like weirdly niche. Uh, I've listened to people who know about watches on various podcasts, like not understand the annual calendar display. And you go like, well, like, like and, and then I was like, how is this hard? And I go to their website and you go, no, nope, they made it too hard. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I think it's a translation thing. Uh, a lot of, uh, of, of complicated watches, and, and I deal with this because I talk about GMTs all the time. GMTs require a lot of translation. The difference between one or the other or the next or a world timer. Um, it's, it's down to these little specifics, and they made a very subtle watch that hides a lot of complexity. I think if you're deep into Rolex, which I know you are, and you know a lot about watches, which I know you do, uh, that watch is very special, but they have not translated that to the 90% of their audience that doesn't really understand watchmaking or what an annual calendar is, at the very base level, right? Pretty sweet thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree that it is a bit of a hidden gem in there. And the only reason we're not seeing that happen on the secondary market is because people don't understand what it is. Yeah. Mr. Chris. Wow, so, so in summary, what did we hope to get out of this journey when we started on it? Uh, um, in our careers or in the podcast? Yeah. Either. I mean, <laughs> uh, I, I mean... Jason and I started writing for Hodinkee around the same time. Yeah, it was like 2008, and, 2009. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we just did it because we liked watches yeah, a lot, yeah. and um, and uh, came across Ben in, in some way. You mean Eric Wind, uh, all Wisconsin guys. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, so I had no expectation of of it. I mean, I had my career was kind of like going like this. Uh, Hodinkee started to become Hodinkee, uh, what you know it as today. So that kind of took over a lot of. Uh, Shaping my career, I guess, for the long term, and uh, and uh, here I've kind of here I am now with one. Yeah, and I've known these guys around, yeah. for a long time, uh, so uh, you know, yeah. it's kind of a natural evolution. Um, I'd, I'd say for me, with Warner Wound, I mean, we did not have very much in the way of expectations when we first started. It's really just for fun, so very, 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 very far beyond what I could have ever expected. Yeah, and I, I think as far as CGN goes, we talked a little bit about this in the 200th episode. Like, uh, we wanted to have conversations. I wanted to talk with Jason about watches. And, um, and we had this sort of um, self-important concept that maybe a few other people would 
would kind of enjoy the same conversation, much like I wanted to listen to conversations about cars and, um, and technology and, and new cameras and stuff like that, and, and, and I still do. And, uh, and beyond that, it was just kind of a snowball. Um, and we're, we're arguably we're still on our heels, like just trying to keep up with it, especially when we come to something like this and like have no idea what to expect as far as uh, folks taking us out on dives and uh, and and you know wanted to hang out and bring us bottles of Malort and all, all sorts of stuff. So no, I mean I, I still I don't love the idea of having expectations for most things in my life. Um, I think fatherhood taught me that to a large expect uh, a, a, a large point. Like um, you can't expect what it is they're they're like little microcosms that you just get to orbit around uh if you're lucky and uh and i think that's taught me a lot about what it is to try and make something for a bigger group of people than i ever thought would listen to my dumb voice and uh and and i i you know there's a burden that comes with that and i hope i don't let you any of you down and i know jason feels the same way yeah i didn't i didn't have any uh specific expectations or dreams for tgn when we started i uh, to me it was it was like a side gig it was like a little side hustle that there was no intent to make any money from it or do any, you know, grow it. It was, uh, it was something we were doing on the side purely for fun. And what has come out of it, um, and I still think that's our motivation, but what's come out of it, the, the incredibly, uh, and I don't want to sound more noble than I am or high-minded than I am, but just evidence is, is the people that come by our table um, the yep. past couple of days is just the, the impact that we've had on people. Um, and, and that they've and, had and vice us. versa. Yeah, yeah. No, it's two-way. The community we've built... Um, where you hear people saying, you guys inspired me to, to take up diving or you inspired me to you know, lose weight or, or start hiking or do whatever it is or, or doing what I love. I mean, it's like that, that's what it's all about. And we get that feedback through our emails and our direct messages and our Q&A episodes. And that, to me, has like, it's taken this little side hustle thing that I had no expectations about at the beginning and turned it into something that I'm just blown away by. I'm just like, this is... This is actually a big thing in my life. Yeah, it's made a huge difference to you yeah. and I. It, yeah. I mean, it's entirely changed our last few yeah. years. Yeah. Definitely, I don't, like I said, I said this earlier, I don't know what the pandemic would have been if I didn't have this outlet to just be like creative and also complain about the construction at my home or whatever. <laughs> it is a little spooky when people start to, you meet people and they say, you know, how was your, how was your drive here? How was your, you know, because they, they know you they know everything, everything you yeah, about. for it's sure. Like, it's super humbling. It's, it, um, it, it's always a very it one-way you street, but it's nice to kind of now get it back when we're here. All right. Well, that, that's all the time we have uh, for questions. Uh, thank you uh, to everybody, and thank you all for being here. Old Fashions at the Bar. Old Fashions, Old at, fashions the bar. at the Bar. Let's do it. Jason James. Thank you, guys. Love you guys. Thanks, everyone. All right. Well, I, you know, that was it. That was our, our live podcast chat with the Warren Wound folks, Blake and Zach at Wind Up Chicago. And uh, it was so fun to do. I, I loved particularly that uh, back half with the Q&A at the end. I think that was really fun to kind of get the, the audience involved, which we just don't get much opportunity to do. So, um, yeah, thanks for thanks again to the Warren and Wound folks for letting us sit in with you guys and, and participating and, and sharing Absolutely. Uh, what was really a fun podcast to do. Yeah. And I don't know that we could have had a better crowd. I mean, I, I guess I, I, I'm not sure I could think of many other crowds where I would have taken off my brand new to me Seiko and just kind of handed it out yeah. uh, to get, to get passed around, but I'm glad people got a chance to be hands on with it and, and, and check it out. And certainly the, the people there, everybody was just, you know, like we say in the recording, you know, it's, it's nice to be sort of around your tribe uh in, in in sort of that parlance or that philosophy and, and we had a blast so 
a big thanks to the uh, Warner One guys for facilitating that and, and allowing us to be part of their feed, and, and we're pleased to have them on ours, of course. Yeah. Uh, n- next up, uh, how about we uh, put a bow on it with uh, some final notes? Sure, yeah. Mine is uh, it's a show that's a series that has appeared. Um, it's in its second season. This is on uh, PBS uh, here in the U.S., and I'm, I think it's appeared... On, on other stations, maybe in the UK and in Europe, um, it's called Expedition with Steve Backshall. And Steve Backshall, you know, he wasn't well known to me. I'd kind of heard of him uh, and seen him kind of in the periphery of, of mm-hmm. various things over the years. And I knew he was kind of into this sort of thing. But um, once I started watching this show, uh, I'm, I've really, really become smitten with, with what he's up to. Uh, Steve is a kind of a naturalist and explorer, uh, British guy who has put together this series called Expedition where he each episode's about an hour long and he does these amazing um, kind of adventures all over the world in a very real, very low-key, but very expert kind of way. Um, and, and what astounds me is, you know, Steve's got this kind of humility uh, to, to what he's doing in that he, he's very capable himself, you know, kind of a big, strong guy, very smart, um, but he's always bringing in experts from wherever he is because he's all over i mean he's uh, kayaking through a frozen fjord in greenland he's uh, going caving in mexico he's cave diving in mexico he, oh he did this whitewater very extreme whitewater kayak descent in bhutan wow he's he was in borneo and suriname and like it's the breadth of skills that he's had to draw on um, are amazing and he does them all at a, a, a high level but he doesn't claim to be an expert in any of them so he brings in you know expert climbers and and whitewater kayakers and guides and archaeologists and and cave divers and he's doing all of this stuff with them and uh and it's really fun he's he's got a really engaging uh way of presenting um it, like i said there, there isn't a lot of like overly hyped editing which really bothers me about a lot of these kind of expedition shows where they kind of overdo the the danger that people are involved with, you know, they don't do that. I mean, it is dangerous stuff. You can see it. And it's not overly branded. There's a lot of cool gear spotting in it. You know, you see Fjallraven pants and, you know, Rob uh, tents and, and sleeping bags and just lots of cool stuff. Uh, jackets from Shackleton, etc. cetera. Um, and, and one particularly fun piece of this was his sidekick on almost every show, if not every show, is a, a fellow by the name of Aldo Kane. Aldo's a former Royal Marine commando who is a Bremont ambassador. And Aldo is this, you know, big Viking looking guy with a big beard, incredibly muscular, um, very capable. Um, but he's got this wonderfully friendly kind of jovial demeanor and this great Scottish accent. And uh, and because he's a Bremont ambassador, maybe not because, but um, he's, he's wearing a Bremont on every single episode. And in, on one, he's like got it strapped to his uh, his backpack strap and, and it's, otherwise it's almost always on his wrist no matter what he's doing you can just see it's getting bashed up and taken all over the place and uh, and it was just fun to see that um, you know kind of a little bit of watch spotting for those of us that are into that I'm super pumped about this show and we're not even through the first season we, we kind of watch you know an episode every few days and, uh, and it's just so fun I really really highly recommend this if you're kind of into if you're craving a good show like this just watching somebody go out there and and do extreme stuff in kind of a, I don't even want to say it's an accessible way, just in, in a very real way. It's just a really fun show. Yeah, so for uh, one more piece of data for the Canadians who care, because I, I care very much, I really want to watch this now, Yeah, is uh, it's, it's on Amazon Prime Video, 
but you need to watch it with a BBC Earth trial, but you get the free trial for 30 days. So oh, you could probably get through nice. a good a good piece of them in a month. Yeah. Um, and something tells me the BBC Earth package is probably pretty good, <laughs> good to watch as well, especially yeah. if this is the kind of stuff they're working on. So yeah, right. very cool. Great, uh, great suggestion. Yeah. What have you got? Uh, mine is also a suggestion uh, via um, a listener, Chase Horner, and then uh, Jason reminded me of it today, came via email. It's called Raiders of the Looted Assets Inside the High Stakes Race to Recover Qaddafi's Ill-Gotten Billions. It's it's from Vanity Fair. It's, it's written by Adam Soralski. Uh, Adam, my apologies if, if I missed the pronunciation of the last name, but I'm, 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 I'm going to be close anyways. Uh, and and it's one of the better things I've read in a little while. I'm re- I'm really glad that uh, Jason reminded me that that it had been suggested. It's a, a long form story about a group of people, kind of a, a variety of people from all over the world, that have taken up um, the task of finding all of the money and artifacts and cultural bits and bullion and cash and property and the rest of it um, that was essentially misappropriated or or st- flat out stolen during. Uh, the Qaddafi um, regime in Libya, and uh, the story's incredible. Um, it, it's super readable. Uh, it goes by pretty quickly, but it's full of globe trotting and, and bouncing around and uh, law enforcement characters you may know, especially if you're a New Yorker, and these different connections. And you see this sort of web that's been built up around how good these uh, Qaddafi and, and his people were at, at stealing and then hiding it you know, squirreling, squirreling stuff away. And, and they say billions, you know, there's a case to be made that it's three digits, right, of billions. Wow. Uh, possibly more like uh, into the trillions. Wow. Um, it's, it's a truly remarkable thing. And, and it kind of focuses on a few different, a few different points. So one part is like cultural artifacts, um, you know, things that are, have been in museums, even publicly displayed in museums, or things that have been bought and sold into private collections. And then the other side is like raw cash. In some cases, six billion sitting in a—that's with a B billion sit, sitting in a, a warehouse, uh, and and people trying to track down where that is and, and estimating how much money it would be based on things like weight or the dimensions of a pallet, that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I really I really recommend this. I started reading it this morning and and immediately knew like, oh yeah, no, this is this is going to be the my final notes for today. A huge thank you to Chase for sending this in. But uh, the, again, this is the Raider of the Looted Assets. It'll be in the in the show notes, but a truly fascinating incredible story with a lot of different moving parts and then it even follows some successful return of um of some very high value goods so i like that they were able to kind of tell a complete story while also kind of teasing what i imagine will be a developing story for some time if, it, if it's the kind of thing you'd like to follow wow yeah that's fascinating i i remember uh, when chase sent that in and i clicked on the link and i started reading it and i was like the scroll bar was like so small to get down to the Tiny. bottom. I thought I, I got to set aside some time to read this and I haven't actually finished the whole thing. So I need to go back to that. It, it, it's just, the, I mean, even the title, it's like, I know this is going to be good. And Vanity Fair yeah. does a good job with this long form stuff. So that's really cool. Yeah. Some great photos full, like I said, full of cool personalities and, uh, and just so many zeros. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so many zeros. And, and you start to realize, Oh my God, like this, these, like taken right out of the hands of the Libyan people as well. So not only returning like some artifacts or cultural pieces, which of course are, are crucial, right? Yeah. Um, to to uh, to that to that part of the world and to their heritage, but also just like an insane an amount of money that would make a difference for almost any population. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and all just stolen by by what by the tyrants. So wow. Uh, a fascinating read. Really really nicely done. And, and like I said, a big thanks, Chase, for sharing that. Uh, I enjoyed every every word. It did take a little bit of time to read it, but. Uh, I, I felt like it went by pretty quickly once I was kind of uh, fully embedded. 
cool good one wow solid uh, solid final notes uh, to to top off what uh, i think is just such a great episode yep and we'll have more from wind up watch fair over the next few episodes that'll be kind of a series of chats that we'll we'll dole out and then otherwise things like the the opening of the show and the final notes will be current to to that time uh time frame so that should be super fun and you know as always thank you so much for listening if you want to subscribe to the show notes get into the comments for each episode or consider supporting the show directly maybe even grab yourself a new tgn signed nato or some forthcoming merch please visit thegraynato.com music throughout is siesta by jazzar via the free music archive and we leave you with this quote by marcel proust who said let us be grateful to people who make us happy they are the charming gardeners who make our souls blossom <laughs>